0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 005.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives.
0: We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life.
1: This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by Kingsters for Kingsters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts... Cassie
0: and Rigel. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Touch of Flavor. Today we're doing another Q&A episode. We had something all planned to go out, but we've been getting so many questions that we're getting backlogged. So today's topics include If You Can Be Kinky If You Don't Like It In The Butt, Finding Sane Polly People, Why Women Like Bad Boys, poly Sleeping Arrangements, and much more. Let's get started.
1: So... Uh, just over the last week, I had a client, and she actually had her partner hop on our call because they've been having a huge marital dispute for a very long time. Guess what What it's over?
0: I'm going to assume butts because of what you just said.
1: Okay, so you're going to assume butts. Well, basically, he has been telling her that she is not kinky because she won't take it in the butt, and... You know, I kind of have to laugh at this because she's into things like needle play and flogging and all kinds of other stuff. She just doesn't like it in the butt. Um, And actually, she's actually okay with putting things in other people's butts. But because she's not willing to receive, uh, you know, anal penetration, she's not kinky. What are your thoughts on that?
0: It's fucking stupid.
1: Yeah. So I that mean, was
0: that was, you
1: know, I'm sorry um, that
0: may not be very like
1: <laughs>
0: politically correct to whoever you were talking to, but
1: so um because I am a dating and relationship coach, I didn't quite put it in those words, but I definitely was thinking to myself, "Well, gee, this is really fucking stupid." Um so I said it a little bit more nicely, you know, a little prof- more professionally. But really, you know, it, I, it's kind of stupid and it got me thinking a lot about how people inside of the BDSM community judge certain kinks as not being kinky. Like, um there are certain people who don't think that food fetish is a kink. Or, you know, if your kink is something like uh just role playing in clothing, well, you're not really kinky. You're just doing something. And That just pisses me off because we're all a little different and whatever happened to the whole like your kink is not my kink but it's okay sort of idea behind it and for me i don't think that there is any particular kink that makes you quote-unquote a kinky person or kinks that don't make you a kinky person And I would just like, you know, our listeners to know that no matter what your kink is, you are a kinkster. And thank you for being part of our wonderful community.
0: Yeah. And like not everything is for everybody. I mean, I will agree that a lot of shouldn't even say agree because it's not agreeing. I mean, yes, a lot of people who are into kink, especially who are more on the bottomy end, like it in the butt, but not everybody. And I mean that just I feel like that's common sense. Like not everybody's into everything. Like it doesn't make you kinky not kinky.
1: Yeah. And and it just drives me crazy because there's this whole idea behind if you're submissive, you're supposed to like these particular activities, or if you're dominant, you're supposed to like these particular activities. And In reality, we're all different. And as long as you and your partner are enjoying what you're doing, then it shouldn't really matter. And granted, you know, the client that I was talking to, obviously her partner was ticked off because really what it came down to was he wanted wanted to do her in the butt. He wanted to do her in the butt. But that's fine to ask for and fine to want. But I feel like the conversation shouldn't be like a kink shaming thing. Like you're not kinky enough because I can't put my penis in your butt.
0: Well, and I, and I don't really know anything about your clients or anything like that, but, um, I know most of the people you deal with are poly. So like, I don't know, like for this option, like this person, it might even be an option to go do that with somebody else. Yeah.
1: And actually the funny thing is this is a poly couple. So, uh, they're in an open relationship. So he does have the option to do it with somebody else, but he is very upset that his partner, uh, won't let him put it in the butt. So I, I, as I said, I very calmly said, I think this is a very stupid thing. And, and I, I think it's very, um, you know, I think it's a positive thing to have conversations around what it is you want and you desire, But you need to be able to do it in a way that is not downing your partner for not necessarily being into the same things you are.
0: Uh, Let's get on to this Q&A, and we're always happy to take your questions, so send them to us, and we will answer them on a future episode. We do these Q&A episodes every few episodes, depending on the number of questions we have come in. Uh, There's two ways that you can send your question in. You can go to atouchaflavor.com slash ask. That's atouchaflavor.com slash ask, and we have a form you can fill out. You can send in your question, or we have a phone number you can call. You can call 833 ask T-O-F-1, that's 833-ASK-T-O-F-1, and you can uh, leave a voicemail, and if we pick your question, we will actually play your voicemail on air uh, and then answer it. Uh, if you do do this, there's instructions on the line, but please leave your first name or C name, whatever you want to leave, how old you are, and where you're from. One thing I did want to say, actually, before we get to the questions is when you were talking, it, it kind of jogged my memory and I lost it for a minute, but this kind of reminds me of what I feel like is the other end of that issue, which is a couple times that you've gotten flack for being a female dominant, but giving your subs oral. And I'm thinking specifically of an event that we went to where somebody actually came and like got on you about it later.
1: Yeah. So it's not actually my sub's oil uh, oral. It is oral to my male sub. And I want to specify that because if you give a woman oral, it is considered fine as a dominant. Like if you're a dominant guy or even a dominant woman and you perform oral on your female partner, it is considered like you are controlling their pussy. But if you give your male partner head for some reason, there is this idea that you cannot be a dominant woman or a dominant male and give your submissive male head. Uh, it's this whole idea that it is somehow, you know, a submissive act. And it just drives me crazy because I'm like, really? Because like when I give head, like I work at it with the person for a while. I back them off the orgasm. I get them right there. I tease them. Basically, I am in control of of what is going to happen with their penis, whether they're going to explode or they're gonna sit there and cry because I'm not gonna let it happen. But there is this idea that there are certain acts that you are supposed to do just with your role or that you're not supposed to do if you have a particular role. So if you're like a dominant female, like this idea of giving a male oral is a bad idea or like is somehow wrong for your role. Uh, And you're right, I did have this girl, we were at a, a party, and we had just done this whole scene. Uh, I had actually did a whole impact scene with Rigel, and uh, it was a long, drawn out, you know, scene. He was in bondage, whole nine yards. At the end, he was a good boy, so I gave him some oral, and uh, with much teasing involved. But you know, I got I, I gave him some oral, and afterwards, this girl walked up and was like, "Well, aren't you a dominant?" And my whole thing was, is as a dominant, shouldn't I be able to decide what the heck I want to do in my own scenes anyway? Like I should be able to decide that this is an activity that I want to do. Uh, but she was like, well, dominant women aren't supposed to give head. And I'm like, why? Like, where, where did that come from? Like, when did we start being like, you know, this particular activity is assigned to a bottom or a top.
0: I don't, I don't get it. So yeah. So I, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was an interesting kind of example because, you know, it's it's on both ends. It's not just dominant. It's not just submissive. And, you know, at the end of the day, the thing is, uh, don't let anybody tell you how to do what you do. Like, it's up to you. Like, there's no right way, you know, besides safety and stuff. Like, there's not like a right way and a wrong way. To do it. And there's like not anything that you have to do or you're not kinky or you're not a sub or you're not a dom or those kinds of things like that's for you to decide in your life and in your relationships with your partners as to what you guys are doing with that stuff.
1: Yeah. And just on like a side note, don't let your role define what you can do, because if you really, really enjoy something, why give it up? Because it doesn't fit into the slot of what your role is like if it's something that you enjoy, you should embrace it and do it because you enjoy it.
0: I think that is pretty much enough of that. <laughs> enough of the soapbox for, for right now. Would you like to read our first question?
1: All right. So with our last Q&A, we had some leftover uh, questions from Michael. So we're going to finish Michael's questions. Since we took two from you know last time, we're going to do two this time. Uh, Michael's from Maryland, and he says, what are some ways to have fun at an open play event when you don't have a partner? Which, in my opinion, is the equivalent of showing up to a dance without having a date.
0: You want to start with us? Sure.
1: Uh, First, I want to say, yeah, it is difficult uh, showing up to a play party uh, by yourself. Like... It's kind of one of those awkward, weird situations, but there's a few things that you can do if you don't have a date. First, you don't have to come alone. If you have a friend, even if it's somebody that you're not going to play with, someone you're not going to do kinky activities with, just having someone there that you can talk to uh, makes it a lot more comfortable. It's a little bit more fun to have somebody that you can hang out with. Aside from that, really be social. Uh, Start uh, talking to other people and communicating with others. Don't be that person that kind of lingers in the corner by yourself because that's going to one, make you seem like you're a creeper. And two, it's going to make you feel more awkward because you're going to be like, I'm the guy who's sitting in the corner by myself. So while you're there, make an attempt to be social.
0: Yeah. I'll add you want to be social with people who aren't actively involved in a scene. Cause I think that is a mistake that a lot of people make, especially if they're newer Uh, to events is they'll go out and they'll like try and strike up a conversation with people who are actively scening. And that's a pretty good way to piss people off. Um, But, you know, I I think that what Cassie's saying is, is right. You know, you want to go, um, scene parties are fine places for people to like watch and stuff. Like it's acceptable as long as you're like, outside a reasonable like space where you're not like half of your face and they're seen being creepy. Or like I said, you're not interjecting or cutting people off. Um, I think that part of this kind of goes with what Cassie says, which is, um, it's a lot easier. She's saying, take a friend, but beyond that, I'm going to say like some of this starts outside of a play party. So this is where, you know, if you get active in the the scene in your area and you go out to events and you meet people meet people and you know people who are going to the event. Like, so you have friends there and you have people that you've interacted with, even if, uh, you know, you're going by yourself, you're going to be a lot more comfortable and you're also going to have a much better chance to get play because, you know, if you know people there, uh, so like if I go to a party and I have friends there, right. Uh, and I have people I know, even if I go without a partner, I'm a lot more likely to run into somebody I know there, even if it's unplanned, and be like, hey, do you want to play? And I'm a lot more likely to get a yes from that if it's somebody that I already know, uh, it, you know, I'm already familiar with, even if I haven't played with them before.
1: Yeah. And one other little small tip on this is if you're going to an event and you haven't really made connections outside of an event or the people that you've made connections with aren't there, because that will happen, Um A suggestion I have is talk to the people working the event, uh, managers, uh, people who are, you know, running, if there's like a class beforehand and that way you have someone who sort of introduces you to other people, be honest, say, I really don't know anybody here. Uh, you know, this is like my first event or, um, my first time coming to this event. And a lot of times those people will introduce you to other people.
0: All right, I'll read the second question, which is also from Michael. Is it possible to have a fulfilling relationship with someone who is asexual, even if it's not a sexual relationship? I can start on this one. Um, A lot of that is going to depend on you and what you're looking for in a relationship. So first of all, uh, the first question to this is going to be, I think, two things. A, are you capable... Of having, And I'm assuming you're talking about a romantic relationship. Are you capable of having a romantic relationship with someone who is asexual? I think that uh, some people can do that and some people can't. And I think it's going to be very dependent on you as a person. Um, I think it's certainly possible to have a relationship, a romantic relationship with someone who is asexual, just like asexual people are able to have fulfilling romantic relationships. But a lot of that's going to come down to, at the end of the day, whether or not you're capable of doing that. Um, I think the other thing that plays into that is maybe you're capable of of having a fulfilling relationship with someone who is asexual, but you need still to get that physical, your physical needs met. And, you know, is that an option for you to do elsewhere? Because you may be like, okay, I'm capable of having a, fami- a fulfilling romantic relationship with somebody, you know, who I'm not really having a lot of sex with, but I, as long as I'm getting you know, my, my sexual needs met elsewhere, like I'm okay, but I have to get those needs met. And then, you know, is that an option for you in that relationship? I think is a question that you need to answer. So can you do it? And if you can do it, do you need to be getting those needs fulfilled elsewhere? And is that an option for you?
1: Yeah, that's basically what I was going to be saying, what I was going to say. So I don't really have a lot to piggyback off of that, but it's, um, really important for you to be honest with yourself, with this, uh, A lot of us try to do the thing where we're like, we're okay doing this, but we're really not looking at it from a long-term perspective. And something that you might be able to do for a week might not be what you can do for a year. So really, really be honest with yourself about it and if it's not something that you can be happy with in an asexual, especially if it's a closed asexual relationship, that this is something that you should address early on and not sort of like let that fester for a long period of time.
0: You want to get the next one?
1: Okay. So the next one's from Emily. Emily's from Maryland. She said, are there any reasonably sane, practiced poly people who are considerate, emotionally intelligent, and capable of maintaining strong healthy relationships. Do they really exist? Where does one find them?
0: It's a really loaded question,
1: right? That's a Especially
0: really- as somebody who hopes that they're a reasonably sane, practiced poly person. Um, well, I think the answer is yes. First off.
1: Yeah. These people do exist. Uh, just like any good partner, it's going to require, Looking and really digging to find someone who is all of these things—that's uh, whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, kinky, or vanilla. Uh, finding a good partner is not always easy, but there are people out there who are. As far as you know, the poly particular question, as far as being you know um, familiar with poly and able to do healthy poly relationships, there's definitely those people out there. Um, there are a lot of inexperienced people out there as well, and a lot of people who are not necessarily doing poly in an ethical and uh, mature way, uh, just like there's people that are not doing monogamous relationships in ethical or mature ways. But they do exist. Uh, the easiest way to find these kind of people, I think, is you know getting involved in your polyamorous community. And part of that is you know once you meet people is actually really screening people and and seeing what kind of relationships they've had in the past,
0: yeah, so a couple of things here, um I would say first off, uh, if you're looking for i mean, I think it comes through your question, but obviously, this isn't something you're going to find outside of the like sex positive like kink poly open relationship communities, number one um number two, I think a big part of this is. So, I think the other thing here is really to make sure that you're looking at poly people who are looking for the same types of relationships you are, right? Because there's, when you're talking poly, like there's this entire spectrum of how people do poly. Uh, and for example, like if you're looking for uh, really strong, healthy relationships, like it depends on what that means to you. But if, say, strong, healthy relationships means to you, um, people who are going to invest like a lot of time and effort in more of a kind of primary situation, uh, then you're not going to get that looking at people who are maybe only interested in secondaries or screwing around or um, that kind of thing. So I think it's important not just to look for people who are experienced with, but also to make sure that you're really looking for people who are interested in the same kind of poly that you're interested in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's really important because it might not be a, you know, they're not doing healthy poly. It might be that their poly is just different than yours.
0: It's not healthy for you. So Matt, and we don't have locations or ages for most of these people, guys. Like we said, when you're sending in, uh, you know, if you decide to email us or you call the line, please leave. Very helpful for us if you can leave uh, your age or where you're from. So Matt says, I have a dating profile and get no matches at all, which is discouraging, especially moving to a new place. It's not even that I don't like the matches it makes for me. There's just not any at all that come up. I find it hard to believe that I have zero matches. Any ideas?
1: So Matt, my first sort of uh, reaction to that is what do you have for your search criteria? If you're being really, really, really picky. And what I mean is, is like you're saying you only want to date people who are uh, 21 to 23 And only want to drive five miles and, you know, all these things that are very, very limiting, uh, you might be making your, uh, you know, available matches very small.
0: But I will say what I'm getting from this question uh, and this is the problem with getting questions versus actually having the mast. But what I'm getting from this question is he's more saying like, say a site like, okay, Cupid or, or mash.com where it pops up matches, like not even searching, like where it brings up who your matches are that he doesn't have anybody showing up.
1: Um, again, I think a lot of that is based on, you know, what your criteria is. Um, I've done a lot more research into like dating profiles and things like that. When you go on and you put in specific like criteria that it has to be this, it won't even show you those suggested matches. If you've eliminated those specific things, um, you won't even see matches for that.
0: So, but moving on from that, I will say, um, and we do a whole online class sometimes about, uh, how to find partners online. And one of the parts of that is, um, personally I've got about zilch faith in a match score. And I know that people, some people do, um, a lot of people do even very close friends of mine, and I can disagree with them on this, but, um, you know, there have been the the actual scientific studies that have been done, um, show that the match scores are really just kind of a myth um, there's really no basis, and the reason there's no basis is because we don't even know offline what makes certain people connect and other people not. Like that mystery has never been solved. Like there's theories, but nobody actually knows. And because of that, none of these matching alithograms uh, really have any kind of scientific basis to them at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have people who live by the idea of opposites attract, and then you have other people who live by the uh, the idea that you have to find a match that likes all the same things as you. So,
0: and there's really no scientific like proof that any of those are correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, honestly, I would not really be worried about a match score, and that's what you teach in your online class.
1: Yeah, like don't don't pay too close attention to it. Um, aside for that, you know, when you're looking at somebody, you see a picture, you like, okay, check one, you know, that's, that's the first check off. Yeah. You're physically attracted to them. Read their profile, read the questions that they've answered. And if you feel like this is somebody that you might be able to connect with, reach out and give it a shot.
0: Yep. Say, fuck the match score. Look for people in your area who meet your criteria, you know, as far as basic things, read the profile. And if you think you're going to be a, a, a good match with them, Ignore the match score, send them a message, try and start a conversation.
1: Okay, so we've got one from Allison. Allison says, how do you go about introducing primary partners to secondary partners?
0: New secondary partners.
1: New secondary partners.
0: First off, I'll say that I don't think that there's really any um, like right or wrong way as far as the length of time or when or how it has to be done or anything like that. I think those are very specific to individual relationships.
1: However, I do think your secondary partners that are new should have known you had a primary already, um, just because of the way the w- it's worded. Um, they should have been introduced, not necessarily person-to-person, person, but uh, the, the fact that you have a primary partner should have been introduced way back in the beginning. Um I think that it's always good to, you know, as far as actually meeting in person, um, as you said, there's no right or wrong way to do it. A couple of suggestions that I, I have for people a lot of times is um, if especially if the newer partner is going to feel a little weird about it or uncomfortable meeting somewhere that is not a high stress area, that is not like an expectation for that person to hang out for a long period of time, something like grabbing coffee, where that can be as long as that person wants that interaction to be. You can sit down and have coffee for two hours, but if it's somebody who's feeling uncomfortable, they can literally finish their coffee and, and get up and walk away um, and go home and still have had that interaction.
0: Yeah. And and as far as when, I mean, I would just say at the point where uh, the secondary partner is involved enough in your life that it's going to start becoming disruptive for them not to meet your primary, like, you know, like, okay, you want them to come over for your house for dinner, but your primary partner is going to be there. Or like when you start running into those kind of situations where I think it becomes unnecessary, you know, you can do it then. Uh, if you have some kind of agreements in place or people want to meet earlier, feel free to do it then as well. But I certainly think if you when you get to a point where it's becoming, uh, you're making an effort to avoid, uh, if you haven't done it by then, that's certainly the time. Okay, Justin, why do women want a bad boy? And why are women so blind to seeing a guy that will treat them right? They say they don't want to be hurt, but don't go for the nice guys.
1: Oh, <sighs> well, first off, I want to say this. Um, as a woman, um, We really don't want the bad boys. Uh, It's sort of like this idea that we do. uh, Girls want bad boys. Young girls. Girls who are in their teens, yes. The bad boy, thing like that. Um, Women, once we hit adulthood, we don't really want a bad boy. We want someone who appears to be a bad boy. We want somebody who's got some edge to them. Uh, has that like sexy naughty thing to him. But really we want the guy that's going to come home, take care of the bills and is going to put his dishes in the sink at the end of the night. Like we're really not looking for the guy who's going to be robbing the bank when we're out at dinner. Like that's not really what we're looking for. Um, And I think a lot of people get that confused. Like, Oh, they really want a bad boy. No girls want a bad boy. Women want somebody who kind of seems like a bad boy, but really is a gentleman inside. Um, And the problem that I really think happens as far as what you're saying, as far as why women are blind to the good guy is we are bombarded with jerks. Like our interactions with men most of the time sucks. Like we get the guys that are catcalling and uh, not particularly being very nice, those sort of things. And when we see a good guy, The problem is it's like, this is too good to be true. Like if he's a really nice person, he's hiding something because our interactions are constantly with negative people. So as much as it stinks, uh, some of that is just perseverance, like sticking around, showing that, you know, what you're saying and presenting as far as yourself is true Um, which kind of sucks because, you know, it might get you in that sort of friend zone area and, and you might not be moving along as fast as you would like as far as a relationship, but it's that sort of proving that you're a nice guy rather than just saying it.
0: Uh, this is an anonymous question in from, I think it's Littletown, Pennsylvania. Uh, how does a couple broach the subject of adding a third or a third and a fourth, if you like another couple without coming across as creepy or are you serious? I think that's like a derogatory. Are you serious? Especially when the other person or couple aren't in the lifestyle. Um, so I think that this is really only, uh, a difficult question when those people aren't in the lifestyle, because when they're in the lifestyle, you can generally just be like, Hey, we're interested. Uh, and you know, even if it's a no, it tends to be a, uh, you know, thank you, no kind of a thing. Um, I mean, there's smoother ways to do it, but I don't think that you run into that problem where they're like, are you really serious about this? If they're already in the lifestyle and, and, you know, they know that they're in open relationships um, and that kind of thing. Well,
1: first off, like this has sort of become like a recent new pet peeve of mine. And I just want to touch on this before answering this question stop referring to people as third and fourths. Uh, <laughs> like like everybody is a person. Um, and I think the reason why, you know, this question was anonymous is because they didn't, the, the person didn't want to be pegged as one of those, you know, couples searching for a third or fourth. Um, so the first step on that is, you know, not addressing people as a third or fourth. Um, honestly, it's not that difficult to find people, as you said, in the community who are open to being with a couple, um, whether it is a single person or a a couple. But
0: yeah, we talk about, I've never really understood that whole like unicorn or mythical creatures kind of thing that's out there. Like if you treat people like people, like we have never had problems finding women either for relationships or to mess around with. Um, as a couple, because we treat people like people. So,
1: yeah. So that's the main thing: is treat people like people. Um, understand that you know things might not uh, work out for each person the same way. But uh, as far as vanilla people, because that's what you're saying, not necessarily in the lifestyle. Um, this is a little tricky uh, because you don't obviously, if this person's a friend or something like that, don't want to like ruin a fr- ruin a friendship over it. But um bringing up the fact that you might be interested in something like that not with them but like hey you know me and my wife would be interested in maybe having like another partner and see how that reaction goes first with, with the removal of not that person in it. Cause if they're like, Oh my God, this is morally not correct. Or this is horrible. Well you obviously know asking them is going to be a bad idea. So bringing up that topic first in just a general sense is a good idea.
0: And I think if you have a, like a history of doing it, like talking, you know, like, yeah, we've done this in the past and see the reaction that you get um and i think if you get a positive reaction um you can kind of move more in like a flirtatious kind of manner very slowly and kind of see how things uh how things are taken yeah and then at some point you're actually going to have to probably have a conversation like hey we're interested
1: yeah but i would i would start with the bringing it up and then moving to like flirtation and if you're getting flirtation back you know that there's some sort of um you know, they're reciprocating something else. You know, it might just be flirting and they might not actually want a relationship, but um, you at least know that it's in that realm of attraction somewhere.
0: Okay. Uh, It's kind of almost a related question. This is John. What's the best way to approach people outside of a kink or poly event to let them know about what you're looking for without scaring them off? So I'm actually going to kind of cater this question to kinky because I feel like we just answered it for poly and the answers are actually... Different. Well, you're saying similar, but I, I think it's different. Um, so two things with this. Number one, um, I wouldn't go looking for kinky partners in the vanilla world as a general rule. The the scene's big enough now, um, that if you know you're kinky and you know that's something that you're going to be interested in, like there's enough acceptance around kink and there's enough of a community now that it's way easier to just go look for other people who are interested in the same thing than to try and find a vanilla partner and hope that they might be into it. Now if you already have a vanilla partner uh, and you know you now you're discovering your kinky and you already have somebody you care about and you want to introduce them, then that's that's a different story.
1: That's what I was saying was similar is if you if you have a partner already sort of bringing up the idea and trying to introduce it slowly was what I was Where saying. Or you
0: find somebody you really, really like, you know, but I wouldn't go looking for a vanilla person if, if I, I know that I'm kinky and I want kinky things. That's, that's number one. Uh, as far as how to approach it, um, there's a couple of ways to do it. um, Trying very, very light stuff during sex, like maybe just a little spanking or like tying up with scars or blindfolds or very, very kink-like stuff is uh, one way.
1: Or like even trying some dirty talk before doing stuff, Um, you know, like, oh, I'd really like you to spank me because, you know, if it's something that the person doesn't want to do, it can be just easily dismissed as like, you know, dirty talk and, and wild stuff you were saying. But if it's something that, that they might be interested in later on, that might be a conversation of like, when you said you'd really like me to spank you, did you really mean that? And then you can have a conversation around it.
0: Yeah. So trying really light stuff during sex, dirty talk is, is a huge one. Like Cassie said, you can, uh, a lot of times excuse it later as just like dirty talk if it doesn't go anywhere and they're not interested and you can kind of see how they treat that. A couple of the things you can do, um, Leaving books around, you know, if you have a book like BDSM 101 or maybe some kind of like erotica that's, you know, kind of kinky, um, you can leave that sitting around, see what kind of reaction you get. Same thing goes with like leaving websites up on your computer, kind of a thing.
1: <laughs> oops.
0: Yeah. Oops. I didn't mean to leave that there. Uh, and then there's the old, you know, uh, hey, let's, let's see, you know, if it's somebody that you can watch porn with, let's watch some porn and you put on something a little kinkier and see how they react to it. And then maybe that can lead you into dirty talk. You know, the, 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 I don't want to say the problem, but, you know, the thing with all this to keep in mind is that most of this stuff is really only stuff that you can do if you're already to a place of messing around with that person. Uh, So, again, you know, that can be a lot of time and effort to put into a relationship if, you know, kink is something that you're really going to need or really going to want and you don't know if this person's going to be up for it. Uh, So... Like I said, for the first time, you know, if you are got somebody you're really interested in, and you just kind of ran across them, or you're already in a relationship, those are definitely things you can do. But if you're out looking fresh, I wouldn't go looking. Uh, I would look where the kinky people hang out.
1: All right, the next question is from Ryan, and Ryan's in Maryland as well. Um, he said, "I find the two often paired together, poly and kink, but how do you find a healthy kinky relationship without a poly m- element to it?" Um, so I think the poly world and the kink world kind of overlap. And, um, I think a lot of times in kink relationships, even if they are monogamish, um, have somewhat of a poly element, whether it's playing with other people, that sort of thing. Um, it is more difficult to find. Are there people out there who are kinky and strictly monogamous? Yes, there are. However, it is very, very minimal. Um for the majority of kinky people, there's usually some sort of open, I wouldn't say necessarily poly, but open relationship-ishnish to it.
0: Yeah, I think the first thing that you need to define is is what the poly element means for you. I mean, if you're like you don't want people like you, you want to be more monogamous from a relationship standpoint, but you're fine with your partner um playing with other people, you know, as long as there's not like a romantic aspect to it, um, you know, that might not be that difficult to find. If you're really looking, like, for kink, straight-up monogamous relationship, there are people out there. Uh, and here's what I would say to that. So typically, you know, we like to tell people, go find your local community, get out to events, uh, go out to munches, meet people, that kind of thing. So there's this whole theory, and I don't know where to find it. I'll see if I can. But there's this whole theory that people who are out in the public scene— um, like, you know, people who go out to events or they go out to munches or things like that are this combination of very kinky, usually more in open relationships, um, somewhat voyeuristic, all that kind of stuff.
1: Expeditionists.
0: Yeah, somewhat exhibitionist, um, all that kind of stuff. And and that, you know, the people who tend to be all those things tend to be the people that we call the public scene. But that, there's this whole, you know, group of people that are into BDSM who don't match those criteria who don't go out to stuff. Um, so I think that, you know, if you decide that you're absolutely just looking for a monogamous kinky relationship, you may be better off instead of maybe going out to events and stuff, maybe looking online, um, you know, okay, Cupid or sites like that and trying to find some partners on there who are interested in kink who may not actually be out in the community. Um, and you may have more luck finding people who are interested in kink, but are more monogamous than you would if you like actually went out to like kink events and looked for people.
1: I absolutely agree. Um, I think that that would be um, a lot more helpful. All right. So our next uh, question is from Adam in North Carolina. Um, And Adam actually has sort of like a group of questions. And we're going to go through... I'm trying
0: to separate them out here.
1: We're going to go through them kind of quickly.
0: And they all really have to do with sleeping for the most part. Sleeping or poly sleeping arrangements, which we may do a whole episode on at some point. Uh, But... Okay. Go ahead.
1: All right. So the first one is when you're poly and have multiple people who sleep in the same bed, how do you get up in the middle of the night to pee with a person sleeping on each side of you? Um, as many of you know, I have a, uh, girlfriend and a husband and we all live together and sleep in the same bed. So I feel like I am, and as the middle spoon, I am, I am, uh, uh, educated enough to know how to answer this question. Um, the, the best way to do that is to sneak out through the bottom, but from just a, you know, that's like a logistical standpoint, um, from an other kind of standpoint is, um, letting your partners sort of have space to move away from you during nighttime. Uh, so making sure that your sleeping arrangement is big enough that you actually have room to get out of the bed without bumping into the other people in your bed.
0: Yeah. Go towards the foot of the bed. Um, also, you know, it can be helpful to make sure whatever doors in between you and the bathroom doesn't squeak. Um, that's a big deal. That was something that we had to do a while back. So those would be the two suggestions. Um, how do you combat excessive body heat in bed from cuddling while still not freezing to death because the AC is set on Arctic? Okay. So, um, my, our experience has been anytime you get past two people, um, you need separate covers. Um, so we all have separate blankets because the fact of the matter is, um, a, you start getting a ton of body heat with more than two people in a bed. If you're under the same cover, B, you wind up getting into, uh, tugs of wars over the things and it doesn't matter how large they are. You will get into a tug of the war and whoever's in the middle will just get like cover mauled in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah. Me as middle spoon, I used to get beat up. Like (laughs) I was in the middle of the blanket fight.
0: Yeah. So, uh, easiest way to deal with this is get separate blankets. Um, And then that way you can get different blankets depending on how hot people sleep. Um, And uh, you know, you have a lot more flexibility with that if you're not all under the same blanket overheating. So separate blankets is the, the best answer to this question.
1: Okay. And the last one is how do you find a room reasonably large enough for a bed to accommodate everybody when you're a renter and don't want to use your living room as the bedroom?
0: I will say just as a general rule for people, uh, if you regularly have more than two people sleeping in a bed, you may need to revisit your bed arrangements and you may need to come up with a bigger bed. We right now have a king next to a queen, which is actually way overkill for three people, but we needed more room than a king bed for three people sleeping there regularly.
1: But I actually have a suggestion on this. Um, for the most part, a a master bedroom, even in an apartment is going to be big enough to even fit a 13 foot bed. You're just not going to be able to fit furniture in there. Uh, So it would be, you know, one of the suggestions I've had for some of my poly people has been, well, do you have a two bedroom apartment? Um, And as poly people, most of the time for all of us to be on a lease, we have to have two bedrooms. Um, So putting your dressers, anything else, everything else outside of the room into the other bedroom and using your master bedroom as basically a bedroom room, like a room of a bed.
0: Or maybe even the secondary bedroom. It really just depends on the size that you need.
1: Um, but using that one room as just a place for the bed with the reality that it's probably going to go from wall to wall and there isn't going to be any space around it, but that's going to be your bedroom.
0: And you had something that I didn't really have an answer for and you just killed it. So that's why it's great sometimes to have two hosts. So that's it for questions today. We actually did get through all of them this time in a reasonable amount of time, which is fantastic. Uh, Once again, we'd love to answer your questions. We do these Q&A episodes every few episodes. So if you've got a question about uh, dating or sex or kink or open relationships, please send it to us. You can go to atouchaflavor.com forward slash ask. That's atouchaflavor.com forward slash ask. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. That's 833-ASK-TOF1. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power
1: exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave
0: us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.